Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. So, Nick, I recently um, have been meeting with a, a couple um, in therapy that really struggle to resolve issues in their relationship. And one of the things that this couple really struggles with, obviously, is one communicating, but also how to compromise. It seems like a lot of their dilemmas are described in this kind of all or nothing way Hmm. that either he's right or I'm right. And either his solution works or mine does. Um, And it's really interesting because it's almost like these two have never compromised in their life. Um, because when we when we approach those types of resolutions, um, it just seems very foreign to them. And they've even remarked that um, reaching resolution through compromise seems to work a lot better than just one of them winning. Oh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought I'd kind of flesh this out a little bit in talking about how to compromise and and, and how it is that couples kind of get into these situations where compromise or resolution just seems almost impossible. Mm. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. I've got, um, about a hundred thoughts on that. that well, you're married, mind, but... <laughs> so of course you have thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. So we're, uh, start us off. What? Well, in, inevitably, I think in any situation there, and, and you have two people in this, in a relationship. And, and so there are multiple angles or perceptions of any situation that any one person could have, right? Mm-hmm. And we all come to situations with different learning histories, different experiences. And so the way we see a situation is just going to be inherently different than maybe somebody else sees it. Right. Occasionally we'll have the same perception, but that's kind of rare sometimes. Um, and so when an issue comes up, um, I'm, I'm going to go through kind of these elements that are very pared down and, and simplistic kind of for the podcast, but I'll kind of talk about an example of this. So, one, I would say you, you really kind of want to find out um, what the important elements are in a given situation uh, to each person in that relationship, right? So to really boil down the, the situation to what's really important in here for you and what's really important in here for me. And oftentimes that's easy enough to find that, okay. that there are values, different values, maybe or competing values um, in a given situation that... Um, both are kind of wed to and and are valid in some way. What, what's a just give me a concrete example of this? Sure, um, you'd like more uh, personal time because it's really important to you. It's kind of how you recharge and how you kind of feel ready for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, your spouse does the same thing with you by her side and wants to spend time with you before the week starts so that um, she feels better and, and closer gotcha. to you before the weekend. And both of your, both of your, the values there, you for your autonomy and her for intimacy are, are definitely valid. Right. It's, it's okay to want intimacy mm-hmm. in a relationship and it's okay to want autonomy sometimes. So too. two values can be perfectly valid, but also in conflict. But in conflict. Yeah. Yep. And that's often what happens when you see couples fighting. Mm-hmm. There's, there's values that are being argued over as if, one's going to win out over the other. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what arguments boil down to with partners or with, with people in relationships. A lot of my value is more justified or more relevant in this situation mm-hmm. than yours. Therefore my solution is what we're going to do. Right. And 
and there ensues the, the conflict. Um, so once you're able to kind of identify those values and kind of communicate them clearly, and you can kind of tell that that value is valid in this situation, the idea then is to have a discussion where you're able to say, how do both of us, if possible, connect to our value in this situation? How mm-hmm. do I get some autonomy in this situation and some time to myself? And how do you get some intimacy and some closeness as well? Because ideally, if both points are valid, then you want your partner to be able to connect with that value a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and there's how a compromise is kind of formed in a nutshell. Okay. Um, but that's only done if you're able to really hear your partner. And that's what a lot of, I think people don't do is try to really hear what their partner is saying. Instead, their argument is prepared, keyed up and ready to launch, Mm. um, in order to win, in order to beat the right one. So you want the autonomy. She wants intimacy. You say, well, Hey, it's really important to me. You know what? I can't deal with this. If you're, um, you know, if I don't get my time alone, then then this is awful. So I'm gonna go to my brother's house for four hours and um, hang out with him. Um, and there's the argument. And then your your spouse is able to say, "Look, I need intimacy, and we're married, and we're a married couple, and we should be together. And I need, you know, that intimacy in order to feel confident and secure in my relationship and in my life." And then you're just gonna argue about which one of those points is right. And for hours and, and probably not reach a compromise. One of you is just going to do what they want to do. And, and then you're mad at each other and there's no resolution that's been built. So you're going to repeat this argument again mm-hmm. next weekend. And there's where I see a lot of problems break down. But if you're willing to really hear your partner's values and really see what is important for them, then you can begin to have a discussion about what might work for both of you. But you can't really do that if you don't see any point to your partner's mm-hmm. situation. So, so my thought is listening yeah. and really understanding is the first step there. And once you're able to understand those values, then you can look for the compromise. So I've got an example for you, a better example. Um, you said client A, which was hilarious because I gave mine names, <laughs> which I think says a lot about us. Oh, no. What does that say about us? <laughs> I don't want to get into it right now. That's, okay. not, the, uh, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> but if I look at... Um, and this is an example for a couple. I renamed them uh, Bonnie and Bud. Oh. So Bonnie, Bonnie's uh, family. How, c- how could two people named Bonnie and Bud ever fight? They do. <laughs> viciously. <laughs> That's how. Viciously. Um, but Bonnie's uh, family reunion came up. And it, it was a, it's, it's a pretty big deal, big deal for Bonnie. She's okay. got a big family. Really loves her family. It, it, and it's, so she goes to her husband. She says, hey, the family reunion's coming up. It's going to be three days, you know, three day kind of event. And, but already is just like, no way because Bonnie's mom has not been a fan of Bud for a long time. (laughs) And Bonnie's mom can be pretty rude to him (laughs) and Bud hates that, you know, pretty rude, pretty cold. And the rest of the family, when they're around, they kind of follow in suit Mm. because Bonnie's mom is kind of at the head of that family and everybody kind of, yeah. Um, so right away, Buddy's like, no way. We are not going to this family that reunion. Is, that is Bud's worst nightmare. They treat me terribly, and it, uh, it, it's, it's awful being around them. I feel like a pariah, and I don't want to do it. 
Now, here's the deal. For, for Bonnie, there's some values in here around her family and being included in her family and, and being able to nurture those relationships and maintain those relationships. It's really important to her. And she, despite her mother's failings, loves her mother. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, since she lost her father, you know, that relationship mm-hmm. is really important to her. And so there's some, there's some values here that, that Bud can definitely say, I get that. I get that you want to be close to your mom and I want, and, and that you want to nurture these relationships with your family. That's what family unions are for. I understand that. Bonnie can also look at Bud's situation and say, you know what? It does suck to be treated like crap by your mother-in-law. That is not a good thing. And then when the rest of the family follows in suit, you do feel like an outcast and a pariah. And I, I, that's a valid point. Nobody wants to go into a situation where they know they're going to be treated poorly. And so after they were able to really validate each other there and say, I get that and I understand that, then the compromise comes. And the solutions that this couple brought up were beautiful. You know, Bonnie's able to say, look, if you'll have dinner with us each night over the weekend, during the day you can go play golf or you can go do this or you can go do that. You can even bring one of your friends this weekend to this thing and you guys can go play golf. I just want you to be there for a couple important Mm. dinners and then you can go. Um, that was one solution. Uh, another solution that was uh, proposed was, hey, you, you do the first day, the rest of the days you're, you're done and that's it. Um, it was really funny because after these resolutions have been uh, kind of discussed for a while, Bud was able to say, you know what? I don't mind going to the family union if that's why it's so important to you. That, that value maybe supersedes my comfort. Hmm. And I'm willing to just go to the, the family union and tolerate that and, and yeah. go through that because I can see how important this is to you. And so... I'm willing to do that. Um, now I'm not sure what they're going to do because this isn't uh, a current issue, but uh, seeing them kind of being able to validate each other's position and say, well, how is it going to work for you? How can we get you what you need? That family time mm-hmm. and that connection and, and, and helping you maintain those relationships. And then how can I also not feel like I have to just be a victim to this situation the whole weekend as well? Um, and that discussion was, was beautiful because they weren't arguing which one of them had the most valid point anymore. That, that wasn't the idea. One of them wasn't going to, you know, they weren't fighting to win the other person over mm-hmm. to their side. They were really looking at what was important for the other person and saying, how do you get what you need? And then, and then in, in kind, the other person was saying, that's great. Thank you. How do we get you what you need as well? Right. That's a very different conversation. Um, especially in the resolving conflict than they'd had previously mm-hmm. where it really is just kind of the standoff where one of them is planting their, their you know, flag on, on a hill and just saying, I'm not moving. And the other one's doing the same thing. And the, the chasm that exists between them is just filled with a lot of anger and resentment. Yeah. So I kind of distilling this down, I'm getting two kind of main bullet points here, which are okay. you step one is you have to be able to listen carefully non-defensively completely to, to see the other person's value and maybe even your own and at more that, clearly at that point your motivation is just i before i can speak to my partner about this issue i have to re or i want to really understand mm-hmm. my partner's point of view yep if i don't understand my por- partner's issue here i'm not going to be able to speak to it right right yeah and then you have to do that you have to validate you have to show i understand and respect your values. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and that's a huge part of it. And this, you don't have to, but it's, 
it, it really eliminates a lot of defensiveness. If your partner can tell you, hey, I think this is why you're upset. Mm-hmm. Is this why you're upset? And you're able to say, yes, that's exactly why I'm upset. And for your partner to say, I get that. I totally understand why you're upset and you have every yeah. right to be and I, I understand that. Right away, you're not defensive anymore. Right away, you felt understood and you feel at least like your partner's listening to you. Mm-hmm. What usually happens, though, is someone saying, no, no, that's not the way it happened. And that, that, that's not important. And that is the most invalidating thing to hear when you're in pain. Yeah. Yeah. This is my, this, it's interesting because it jibes with my, I, I don't do couples counseling, but I hear a lot about couples conflicts mm-hmm. <laughs> as all therapists do, I think. Right. right. Um, and one of the really common factors that I see is that one or both, if one or both of the members of the couple is, pretty significantly insecure Mm -hmm. just in themselves, just has a lot of insecurity about themselves. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a ton of conflict. And I assume it's because it's very hard to listen dispassionately to someone else in a difficult conversation. If you're so insecure that you always have to be defending yourself. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say borderline impossible. If you, if you, if everything is always a potential assault on your, psychological integrity you're there's no way you can listen objectively yeah well and 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 this may be a a bit of a chicken and egg issue but (laughs) resolving conflict in this way allows you to build trust in your partner because you know they're going to value your values Mm -hmm. there and they're going to make every effort to try to help you connect with those values in that situation, right? Yeah. If you know, hey, my partner cares, and they're going to do all they can, or they'll, they'll talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. We can we can reach some kind of resolution. Man, that is that is trust building. When you're constantly fighting about who's right or wrong, yeah. how do you build trust in that kind of right. dynamic? Do you, as a couples counselor, do you ever encounter a couple and determine after two, three, four sessions? Person A, Bonnie, Bud, whoever, (laughs) is just way too insecure to get to the point where they can do listening well. They should go take care of their own stuff first and then come back to working. Like is conflict, is is compromise and conflict resolution too high level a skill if you don't have some other more basic skills for yourself worked out? I'm not not gonna, has that been... Have I encountered that where I've actually recommended individual counseling before couples counseling? Yes, but I think that's pretty rare. Hmm. Um, If you're struggling as a couple, my guess is there's a dynamic there or a way of communicating that's not working. And regardless of whose issues maybe are driving that, for that couple to learn how to communicate more effectively is is a plus, I think. That's a good thing. Right. But what if what if people are just incapable of it? Incapable of listening, you're saying. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds... Because of, of their own internal mind. They've just got too yeah. much... Either that, either because of too much of their own kind of baggage and, and yeah. insecurity. Yeah. I, I, I think that's possible. And I, I think at that point, if that's true, if you're really seeing like, wow, their insecurity or their depression is so overwhelming that they're really not able to participate in what we're trying to do that makes perfect sense 
yeah. to, to say, hey, wait, why don't we get some individual therapy on board so that you can develop the skills necessary to come here to do this work. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily assume right off the bat that they weren't capable. And that, that would be something I'd have to evaluate, I think. And sure, see. and maybe test first. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely, um, definitely. So the, my other question, the other thing I'm curious about is, the other thing that could seem to be a, uh, a major roadblock mm-hmm. and maybe just totally get in the way of effective compromise would be what if your values are just too discrepant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that can happen. That, like, yeah. I feel like I encounter a lot of, at least from what I hear from certain couples, they describe all this conflict and they, they, God, they try really hard to compromise and to, to communicate better and to, but m- m- a lot of times my impression is just like, you are way too different of people. Like, how did mm. you get together? Like your values are <laughs> so far apart. Yeah. How, and you're trying so like, it should not be this hard. Yeah. Like you're, you're spending all your time resolving conflict and compromising. Like, do you ever, like, that's a hard thing I imagine, but like, that must happen, right? Where people, are, oh yeah, you just like your values are too different. Well, and 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 you can see, um, yeah, you occasionally see that. What, what I see most are individuals whose values need to be looked at. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a nice euphemism. What does that mean? <laughs> um, di- different Bonnie and Bud. <laughs> Bonnie comes in and is saying, "Geez, I cannot handle my spouse's drinking problem." Okay. It's really overwhelming. It's causing some financial problems for us now. It's causing some whatever that is, mm-hmm. right? And Bud comes in and he says, look, I like my autonomy. I want to do what I want. I don't <laughs> want to have to be governed by anybody and mm-hmm. she's telling me what to do. And I would say both maybe have some values issues they probably want to work on and to clarify what those values are. And look, occasionally, you know, when a, when a value is clarified, the other person in that situation might be kind of horrified. You know, to to learn like, wow, you're going to value that way more than you value, you know, you're going to value your autonomy and and your right to choose whatever you want to do over our financial security Mm -hmm. and our future. Yeah. Right. That's going to be a... So that it seems to me that that, what that clarification of their values reveal, what looking at those values reveals is your value, you don't have the values you think you do. Right. Those, you have very right. different values, actually. Look at these values, yeah. You, you guys, you each kind of talk a good game to yourself or mm-hmm. to each other, mm-hmm. but when you really look at those values, they are way far apart. Yeah. When one person in the relationship values fidelity and the other person doesn't, mm-hmm. that's going to be difficult to resolve and compromise. And so occasionally you do get to these situations where a real compromise is just not possible for some people. You know, if, if your value is fidelity, mm-hmm. then, and, and you're, you're wed to that. That's something you thought about and you're, you're really, and, and you find out your partner doesn't have that value. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a brutal kind of pill to swallow and you're going to have to make some choices there. Here, here's a real um, countercultural idea, hypothesis. <laughs> okay. What, so I think our, at least in, in, in America, probably in a lot of the West that's been dominated by a certain kind of religious and moral mm-hmm. cultural, mm-hmm. um, are, are we, certain kind of cultural values that are just kind of baked in. And I think like marital fidelity and longevity is one of those, mm-hmm. you know, like 
you get married and, and the, the kind of cultural assumption is that you just stay married. Sure. Right. It's, almost, almost to the extent that that should override anything else. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is a value that's so high, nothing else really pale. You should do anything to avoid compromising that mm-hmm. value. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't think that's a stretch to think that that's how a lot of people on an intuitive gut level think about when they first get marriage. Married. Yeah, yeah. When they first get married. Right. Yeah. What do you ever wonder, like as a as a couples counselor and as a psychologist, maybe overall people would be way happier if they had a less stringent attitude towards marriage. Mm-hmm. Like maybe people should just separate and get divorced way more often, <laughs> because how how probable is it that you're gonna that most people are gonna do enough homework and enough research ahead of time to choose someone who really lines up well with their values and with whom they're going to be compatible for 50 plus years. Mm -hmm. Right. Like may, and then, but maybe people get into marriages not having done that work, but then feeling trapped like, Oh yeah. On some gut level, they kind of know their values are way off, Mm -hmm. but they feel like they really can't do anything about that. So they, right. And you see this all the time with, uh, so I've had couples say, you know, we, we were kind of warned about getting married because we have very different religious histories, right? Right. And, 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 and in hindsight, they're able to say, wow, that was, you know, we, we skipped that advice and that was really, Mm -hmm. really bad advice. Um, or really bad of us not to take that advice. But the, the problem is when you're getting married at 22, how many How religious conflicts have you dealt with in yeah. your life over time? So when you hear that the religion's going to be the thing that could possibly sink you, you go, mm, not likely. No. And and it, so it's just the lack of experience there. That So whether it's getting used to getting married and separated or divorcing or just not marrying until you're a little more wise and have more experiences, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what the proper advice to be there would be, but... Yeah, I, I would agree that something probably would help. I just feel like I see that so much. And obviously there's selection bias here, but as a therapist, uh, and I don't know everything. I haven't talked to the other partner or whatever, but I, I, I feel like I just hear about there's so much conflict and unhappiness that comes from people with wildly different values who are stuck mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And who feel stuck. Yeah, and who feel like they can't yeah. get unstuck from that. And yeah. so they have to figure out a way to make it work. Like that's the class, like we're going to make it work. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's such an odd thing because every relationship you have, if you think about it, um, probably wasn't there at one point or another, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you meet friends, they come and go, your family, even relationships are strong in one, you know, one year and five years yeah. later, they're not as strong. And, but for some reason we feel like there are certain people we should just be with the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of evidence that that is true. I mean, people kind of come in and out of your life and being used to that is a good thing to do, to have. Because friends come in and out, family members yeah. come in and out, they pass away, they, you know, come in. It, so it's just, it's it's odd sometimes that marriage seems to be the one that just should stick around forever, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure there are, there are valuable benefits on all sorts of levels, personal, societal, whatever, sure. to commitment and longevity mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. especially important relationships like you know yeah, getting relationships require work and, and effort and dedication sure yeah but I, I think it's just there's yeah but, I, but at what cost 
Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like I, I just see so many people who have been unhappy for decades mm-hmm. and it seems pretty clear it's because, I mean, and this sounds awful, but like you guys are just, you married the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you. If you wanted a less, if, if you, <laughs> you wanted, didn't want a relationship where you're fighting If constantly. you wanted harmony. <laughs> This was probably the wrong. <laughs> okay, so here's here's another question. Have you how often did you see people fundamentally change core values? Like so one option with Bonnie and Bud with the second version of Bonnie and Bud is Bud says, "Okay, you know what? Yes, I love just being able to go on a bender every weekend or I love drinking with my buddies all weekend long." I mean, you think that's alcoholism, I think it's me having a good time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yes, I want to make this work, so I am going to fundamentally change my relationship with drinking and autonomy uh, obviously that's possible it's, it, it's does po- it happen much it's no no because um well as you know usually for people to really change it's an internal change it's not i'm gonna do this for you i'm gonna start just loving your family reunions. That's, <laughs> you can learn to tolerate and compromise i, th- I think i think that's the key here is that it, it, for relationships to be functional and to work compromise is mm-hmm. kind of an essential element to them. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that starts happening, the, the, the lopsided thing that starts happening is that one person, usually there's a power differential in a relationship and one of them starts getting way more of what they want all the time and the other person just gets really angry and resentful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... But people, so, but a, a, a counter argument would be, okay, it's not common that people completely overhaul their values and really change mm. their life. No. But it does happen, mm-hmm. which means it's possible. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're just not very... Maybe we just don't have a very good roadmap or playbook for how to do that. Oh, I think that's, the, that's why therapy is difficult. We don't <laughs> have a better roadmap on how to help people, you know, kind of confront those... Major values. Issues and, and to change those values. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's tricky, and it, as a therapist too, as a as a counselor, like someone who's literally providing kind of direction and, and advice and trying to be helpful. How do you, I imagine it's hard? Like, how do you know kind of where to which kind of general direction to go down? You know, how do you help them clarify for themselves? Is this, do I want to kind of try and really shift my values in a major way? Do I want to try and compromise? Is it better if we just split? Is it, you know, there are these major options yeah. that it's, that's yeah. got to be hard to get a read on. Well, that, and there's a therapeutic technique, you know, motivational interviewing where you, mm-hmm. where you really kind of take a good look at a lot of conflicting ideas and interests inside a particular situation to help that client do that evaluation. Yeah. Um, but it's tricky, but I, I mean... I don't know, you could, every therapy session almost is helping a client kind of realize what's working and what's not. Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes the most effective therapy sessions are when they kind of are oriented to it, right? When they see like, oh my goodness, I can see how, but it's hard to get them there. It's tricky. Yeah. 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 Especially if you, if they're trying to move one direction, but there are all sorts of environmental, contextual, cultural factors pushing in a different direction mm-hmm. i think that's a lot of people have a sense that they want to move one way but there's a lot of friction there's a lot of resistance or even their own emotional pain you know mm-hmm. to, to hear someone yeah. who's depressed and say and crying and saying i'm lonely you know i don't have people in my life and then to to hear them in the next breath say i'm just gonna hide away and not worry about this problem anymore and i don't want to even mm-hmm. be around people you know, you kind of tilt your head and say, wait, can you see that that behavior is only going to make this worse, right? Yeah. Um, 
but they haven't seen it yet. Right. And so until they kind of orient to that, your task is to help orient mm. them to that. Almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tricky. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.